touch other communities as well. I said this last service, and I really mean it. I mean, there's a lot of credentials that they hold for what they've done. I mean, on the Luis Palau team, doing things evangelistically, touching community, doing all that's amazing. But the thing that makes me admire you the most is you're raising three daughters. Now, that takes stuff. I mean, that, you know, that's the care, that's a fruit of the spirit in you guys. So, yes, thank you. Thank you for uh, raising a family, just great girls. And uh, God has just done a wonderful thing. So this is what we're going to do. I want to introduce Alpha. He's going to come on up. I want you to just give him a warm welcome. And while he's coming up, they're going to turn on a video. Uh, Watch this. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Alpha, come up here. Tell him you like him. Are you taking this? Are you taking this, brother? Yeah. Thank you. Nameless and faceless army who will go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Day in the Park is a blessing in this neighborhood. I mean, a neighborhood that's referred to as Felony Flats. People never even set foot in a church, but they set foot into a park and finally get to see a level of a church that they've never seen before. And people come here to get free from a lot of things. And today was just, you know, another example of of being free from addictions, free from drug use, free from uh, pain, hurts in their life. This community comes together for one day in a park and has just the biggest party you could ever have, biggest block party you could ever have with some of the best music, some of the best people, and some of the best food. It's awesome. Day in the Park is put on by numerous churches, numerous organizations. We have business partners. There's a ton of sponsors and a ton of people who get together and make this happen. There's no way that one piece of the group could actually pull it off, to be honest with you. It takes all of the pieces together. We have hundreds of volunteers. We have people who come and help set up. We have people who come and help tear down. They help do cotton candy. We try to touch everything, so there's so much going on above and beyond what the artists on stage, the BMS next guys i mean we just try to make sure that we touch on an activity for everybody and that's really why it's a family fun friendly event they're able to take their whole family not spend a dime get a chance to eat get some cotton candy the kids get to go down to bouncy houses and everybody really gets to feel the love of christ through what's happening through the park today and that's exactly why we're here. It's really to open up and usher in the spirit. He may use a face painter. He may use an artist. He may use the kid next to him. We just don't know. So we just want to make sure that everything is here and available. We saw people get saved at the basketball course. We saw people get saved at the bounce houses. We saw people get saved on stage. And that's really what we're here for, is to grow the kingdom of God. And that's what Day in the Park is all about. We look forward to it every year to be able to come and just join together. And that's what it's all about. It's just believers coming together and sharing the love of Jesus in a community, being the church outside the walls. And I'm thankful for the churches, Compassion Southeast, Free Dental Clinic. But you know what, man? What was a lot of fun this year on top of everything, on top of seeing people get healed, people get delivered, people get saved. But being able to give away some free stuff, man. We put together some money, and we bought a new computer. We bought a couple new tablets. We bought a flat screen TV, and we were able to give that away. The purpose is to be a blessing. Be a blessing with the gospel. Be a blessing with friendship. Also, being able to give away some stuff, showing people that the church is not trying to be stingy, but the church wants to step out and give of themselves. If you have a pulse, there's a call on your life. Day in the Park is very important to me because it is the main reason that I have come to Jesus three years ago. The reason I'm out here serving today is because Day in the Park is my day. It's it's the whole reason that I came to Jesus, and I feel that this is how I am supposed to be spending my time, how I'm supposed to be serving the Lord, is, is by helping and things like this. I see countless lives change every year by the proclamation of the gospel. And that's really what it's all about. Faith still comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Every single year, man, the gospel's preached, whether it's from the bike ramps, whether it's from the DJ, whether it's from the main stage, whether it's on three-on-three basketball tournament. I actually got to share it today and see about 10 to 12 people come to the faith right there at the three-on-three tournament before it even started. It's just great to see a community come together, you know, people of all races, all different ages come together under the umbrella of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
there's a huge Hispanic community here in the Lentz area, and they were able to comprehend what was being preached. And we had the translator there, and people were able to fully understand and receive Christ into their hearts. God has a purpose for you in your life. What's really, really, really important about serving in your local community is you stay faithful at doing it. And if one person gives their hearts to Christ, it's worth everything. We see people come year after year after year, and it might take them several years to respond to the gospel. But if you stay consistent, if you stay faithful at what God's called you to do, you will see fruit, you will see a harvest. Day in the Park is awesome because not only do we get people from different churches to come together to help reach the lost, but then the church gets blessed and encouraged and challenged to really step out there and believe God and not just know of Him, but really get to know Him. And so it's been a wonderful thing to see happen at Day in the Park where people who are believers who have been sitting in church have come to a closer walk with the Lord because of events like Day in the Park. It's just amazing what God can do in somebody's heart and their soul at the moment of some words being spoke and they just feel that pertains to them for one second, one moment, and they just come over with the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely amazing. And when you can go just lay hands on people and pray for them and they just start sobbing tears, you know they're not just tears of, of, of hurt, they're tears of joy, that they're being freed at that very moment. And it's just, it's truly a blessing. Day in the Park, it's it's an event that you build relationship with people. We um, just love being a vessel for Jesus and just serving uh, the community and loving on people, praying with people and seeing people get set free, delivered and healed. Hey, come on, somebody make some noise for Jesus real quick. Yeah. That's just an example of just one of the many things God is doing all over the city and all over our state, all over the country, all over the world. Amen. God is on the move. Right. And, for, and, and uh, God is calling us to be the move as well. Amen. All right. My name is Alpha. My wife, Monica, we're the pastors of Revolution Church. It's a four square church just like this one. A um, little bit different just because it's a different community. And we're kind of in the hood. And, and I like that. That's all right. I like it out here, too. I like coming. I, I like AC. You know, I like free donuts when I'm coming in and and not just coffee, but some lattes. And f you got fancy coffee in here. This is fancy can be Foursquare Church. Praise the Lord. So I'm happy to be here. And uh, Pastor Ron and Annette are amazing people. I love them very much. And, and I also love who they are and what they do. Um, inside and outside of the church and, and who they are as people when, when, they're not, when they're not in the spotlight of ministry. And I think that's good. Matter of fact, you know, how are you when you're not shining? L let's get into the message. Let's not try to get all, get all in your face right away like that, you know. Get all up in your face. Preaching the gospel is great. It's wonderful. I mean, it's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to share the gospel with people. You, you don't have to be an evangelist or a pastor to do that. Everybody has a responsibility. And if you agree with me, say amen. Everyone has a responsibility to share the gospel. Do you agree that's true? Everyone needs to talk about Jesus, right? When, when everyone's little kids, we say, oh, make sure to talk about Jesus. You know, share Jesus with your friends. And you know what? It's the same all the way as we're adults and, and, and still getting older. No one's getting old. We just get older, Amen. And we're, so we're supposed to talk about Jesus. Share the love of Christ with people. Uh, but we also, even more powerfully, is to be the gospel. And that's what I'm here to talk about today. That's what my wife's here to talk about today, is being the gospel. Just let that sink in for a minute. What it means to be the gospel. Now, you and I would agree that the gospel, uh, it's... You know, it's what brought us into relationship with Jesus. One way or another, we heard or we saw or we read the gospel, and we learned that in order to be saved, in order for our lives to be changed, and in order for us to be uh, at home in eternity in heaven, we had to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Do you agree with that? Right? We believe that Jesus is the way, 
the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him, right? We believe that uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, amen? We believe that we, we, we confess our sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? 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 We believe that the old is passed away, all things become new. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus, amen? So we believe those things, and that's the gospel. But that's not where it stops. That's where it begins. And see, I think that that's probably one of the areas of problem in the Christian community is, is we stop there and we say, thank you, Jesus, for rescuing our life, and then we just do church. But if you were to look at the Lord's heart and his definition of doing church, it looks a little different than ours because his definition of doing church is like the song said, leaving the 99 to go after the one. So the gospel needs to have its work in us so we can be the gospel. So it begins by receiving salvation through Jesus Christ, but it also continues as that saving power is still working on us every day of our life. It's a process of renewal. It's a process of our life being changed. you agree with me? Because it's not like you're, all of a sudden you got it. You're just prim and proper and perfect. And I don't even know what that is, as a matter of fact. It ain't right here. I'll tell you that right now. But, so receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior is the beginning of it. And then we let that work in us as we continue to grow in the Lord. Because some of us, and some of us need a little more work than others. Right? Don't look at nobody when I say that. <laughs> do not look at your spouse. I know some of y'all were like, don't do that. But it's the truth. Some of us are just like, we're just abandoned. We're like, all right, I'm ready to give it all. And, we, and you just turn into just a glorious saint like in one day. And some of us are more like me where God's still working on you and you're confused and wondering why God wants to use you because you still got problems. That's probably more of the norm, as a matter of fact. I, I know that we try to look like we're doing all right and we're, we're doing real good, but when we're not here, some of us are still getting real, still getting changed. And that's okay, as long as I'm letting Christ change me. A great example, not the only example, just one, right, is in Acts chapter 9 is where we hear the story of Saul. Now, Saul, his name was later changed to Paul, and he was responsible for writing most of the New Testament. We read his letters, you know, that he wrote to several people in several churches, and we establish a lot of our, you know, almost all of our theology because of the writings of Paul and, and uh, our doctrine and, and, and all that great stuff. But Saul it was screwed up at the beginning. He was going out persecuting Christians. He was killing them. He was beating them. He was chasing them off. He, was, he made it his personal goal. He's like, I'm going to go get every single Christian I can. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to get rid of them all. Kill them all. That's what he wanted to do. And he thought he was serving God by doing that. And then one day, he gets knocked off of his horse or his donkey or whatever he was riding. And he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And at that moment, he calls him Lord. I mean, I think you and I would too. No matter how far into hell we were, at that moment, if Jesus knocks you off of your Honda or whatever you, you, you on, your BMX or whatever, you're going you're gonna to wake up going, Lord, is that you? You hear a voice. And that's what he did. And then at that moment, he began a process of his life being changed. And Jesus putting him in a place of healing and discipleship for three years where he had to get trained up. And then he finally went out there and started preaching the gospel he was against. And it took a while for people to trust him because they knew who he was. Everybody say was. You see, some people know who you was. Can I speak hood for a minute? Some people knew who you was. Now, here's the problem, is if you still identify yourself with who you was. Because if you're doing that, then you're not 
allowing the gospel's work to continue in you, and you're going to have a hard time being the gospel because you haven't yet allowed it to have its full work inside of you. See, today, we're going to just completely tear down a lie of the devil today. So a lot of freedom is going to come into your life. I believe that with my heart. Now, do you think that Saul struggled, or he's now Paul. Do you believe Paul struggled with any shame for his past? Do you think that he ever thought about, like, how he was a part of what happened to Stephen? Do you think he ever had any regrets about his past life before Jesus? Of course he did. And so do some of us. I would say all of us. But Jesus died for that, too. And when you're too busy caught up in his grace, you ain't got time to be living in shame. And I'm praying and I'm hoping that today, as we're talking about being the gospel, that you're going to be immersed in that. And that you're going to let the gospel's work have its perfect way in you. And that you're going to walk out of here saying, you know what? I'm a part of the mission if any of you is, is, is like a, a comfortable Christian spectator, I'm praying you won't be today. Amen? So before I keep speaking, I want to have my wife come up, Monica. She's going to share with you a couple things. She's, she uh, helps disciple many people, but she's going to share with you two stories of how she does that. You, you can give her a hand. Thank you. <laughs> That was great, babes. Introduction. <laughs> um, we, I, I was praying for this church this morning, and um, I just felt the Lord say, we have been commissioned. We have been commissioned. We have purpose. We have purpose in our life daily. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Two things that really stuck out to me is the Lord is telling us to go. And he says that we don't have to go on our own strength. He says that I will be with you to the end of age. So whatever the Lord is calling you to do, and Alpha's going to get into that and talk about that, that we have the Holy Spirit enabling us, enabling us to do whatever he has called us to do. And I will give you two examples just in my life personally what the Lord um, has called me to do and how he strengthens me and uses me. But before I get into that, I think it's important to say first that we need to be discipled. When we give our hearts to Christ, it is so important, just like Paul did, is that he submitted himself to the process of discipleship. For three years, he went away, like wasn't seen, wasn't really heard of by anybody in order to, to allow his mind to be renewed with Jesus, his Holy Spirit, filled up. And that's just really important to understand the love and the grace of God. And um, I don't want to get into your message, babe, so I'll just keep it at that. And then secondly, I think it's important to remember when we, when we give our lives to Christ and we're talking about um, the heart of being with and what God has called us to do, um, it's important to remember that we don't live this life for ourselves anymore. This life is so temporary compared to eternity. In James 4.14, it tells us our life is like a vapor, appearing for a little while, then vanishing. I don't know if any of you guys saw that movie, uh, The Paul the Apostle. Excellent movie. I actually, I'll be sharing about prison ministry. I just brought it into the prison for the women this week. And, and man, I couldn't even close in prayer hardly because I was just wrecked. And I love the example that Paul used in that movie where he, he says, your life is like, you know, you look at the ocean and you pick up a handful of water and it, and it falls between your hands. That's how your life is. Do you see the sea? That's how eternity is for you. So our life, it's, it's here today and gone tomorrow. 
And so what are we going to do with this time that we have? And, and Jesus said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. That life abundantly is here and now. And it, it, it's like I shared in last service too. You know, I know a lot of people wrestle with depression and feeling alone, loneliness and all that. I too, I too have wrestled with that. Very hardcore, I would say in the last few years on and off because of some, some physical conditions, I believe um, some demonic attacks. There's, there's multiple things that have gone on. But, you know, one of the, the cures for that, that the Lord talks about in his word, is to go do something for somebody else. That's a, that's a key to freedom in that area. And I, I just want to speak that into to anybody's life here, anybody who's struggling with depression is... You know, make a choice and ask the Lord to show you what you can do for somebody else. And it doesn't have to be this grand thing, but do, ask the Lord to show you. And he's so faithful. The Holy Spirit never, he never leaves us to ourselves. He will show you. Just be willing to listen and obey and do the thing because that there's freedom in that. Um, two areas the Lord uh, has used me. One is um, I started going to prison ministry doing a prison ministry about three and a half years ago at Coffee Creek um, Prison. I absolutely love it. I love the women in there. God has just given me, it's his heart. I walk in there and it's his heart. It's his Holy Spirit filling me up when I go in there and I, and I share Jesus. And, and there's times I don't even share. I'm just there to show up. Someone else is speaking. And to give the ladies a hug and tell them that I, I love them and I've been looking forward to seeing them because some of those ladies don't see anybody. They have nobody come visit them. A lot because they've burned a lot of bridges in their life. But, you know, the Lord, he called me into that. I asked him if I could do something and he showed me prison ministry. And responding and saying, yes, Lord, I'll go, was the first step in doing that. The second step is overcoming fear. Because if you've ever been into, maybe you have been in prison, but maybe gone into prison ministries too, you know, you have a big yard and they, they release you. Like, so I get my little badge and everything and they release me and I'm walking in this yard with like 300 eyeballs staring at you. You stick out like a sore thumb when you're wearing street clothes in prison. And, you know, the enemy tries everything he can to keep you from being effective for his kingdom. And fear is one of the biggest things he tries to keep us because fear paralyzes us. Faith mobilizes us. And so it's really important, whatever the Lord is calling you to do, that you don't allow fear to rule your decisions. You got to push past that fear into that zone of faith and allow the Holy Spirit to, to fill you up and strengthen you and take you to places that you never thought or maybe somebody at work, and, and you're so scared to death to give them a word. But if the Lord has instructed you to give them a word, you give them that word because it's a word in due season for somebody that could change their life. And you, it could be the hardest person, but the word of God is powerful, and it cuts. Um, so that's one, that's one area. And another area is in the church. So I did it outside the church and inside the church. You know, it's really important to that, you know, it's good. Outreach is good. And we do a lot of outreach. We love doing outreach. Um, but one of the things that the Lord has really shown Alpha and I over the years is that discipleship is equally as important inside the church. You know, it, it's, you have to have balance in your life in every area. So you can't just be like, woo, I'm going to go and serve everybody, you know, and then not take care of your family or not, you know, take care of the house, the church. Um, but uh, discipleship in, in the church is very important. Um, this lady uh, came to our church the very beginning. I, I, she found out through somebody. And I literally thought this lady hated me. Like she, she didn't speak to me for like six months. And she had just this real, like, stoic look on her face and, like, no expression. I thought she hated Alpha's preaching. She always left before he was done preaching. Like, she was gone out of there. And I thought, oh, she's never coming back. 
This is the last time we'll see her. And she kept coming, and and I was so perplexed. Like, I have no clue what this lady, why she's coming, what's in her heart. I mean, I did not know. But for me, I stayed faithful at just pressing in and saying hi to her and just loving her where she was at. And the wall started coming down. She grew up in Russia. Her mom abandoned her and with a single dad who was an alcoholic, grew up in major violence, abused the whole nine yards. And so she had every reason to have walls of protection up. But Jesus wanted to come in and do an amazing thing in her life. And me and many others in our body got to have been a part of her life and been there for her. And to this yesterday, actually, it's been almost 10 years. So walk in this road and she shows up to help clean our church, got a new church building, and it was just her and I doing some cleaning the bathrooms and dusting and just spending time together and talking, and, and um, it's just amazing to see how the Lord does this work in and through our lives, and, and being with people, living daily life with people is where it's at, you know, and I just want to encourage you, don't give up on people. If somebody's not responding to you and and you just feel like God is really pressing me in this relationship, stay faithful. Stay faithful at doing it because if the Lord, the Lord calls you to do it, don't stop until the Lord says, okay, that season's over. Because the enemy tries to come in too to try to get you to quit things. And sometimes you're confused. I've been there too where I'm like, is this the Lord telling me or is it? But the enemy's sneaky and he tries to come in. So I just want to encourage you to stay faithful at what God is calling you to do to the end. Thank you. Good job. Good job. Come on. She's preaching it, man. She's awesome. There's no shadow you won't light up. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. If you agree with that, would you say amen? It's because of what Jesus has done for us that our lives can be different, that our lives be saved. It's not because of what you could do for yourself but only because of what Jesus could do for us. Amen? You understand that salvation wasn't done by your hands. It was done by the Father, by sending his Son. Amen? And see, that's so important for us to grab a hold of that truth because our tendency is to try to, you know, I got to do this and I got to do that in order for my life to be different. And this, you know what? It's not so much about what you got to do. It's about you allowing Jesus to do what he's got to do. Amen? It's about letting the Lord do his work inside of you. And some of that we enjoy and some of it we don't. But we got to take it all. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Some translations say the Gentile, which means everybody. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I'm going to give you some notes. You'll see them on the screen. You you can write them down if you'd like. Not ashamed of the gospel? Well, why not? Why not be ashamed of the gospel? Because I know the gospel, so I speak about it with confidence because my understanding is growing. You can speak about it with confidence because you're growing. How do I grow? You get discipled. You know... God has done everything as far as the first step. Discipleship is not on him, it's on you. It's on you to make the decision to say, you know what, I need to be discipled. And I know that there's a lot of people who believe they can disciple themselves. How's that working for you? Well, I don't want to go to discipleship because that person is just too boring. Or I don't want to go to discipleship because, you know what, there's other people a different age than me, and I don't want to sit with them. You know what? Build a bridge and get over it. Get discipled, and I'll tell you why. Because it's going to be powerful for your life personally, but also God's going to use you to be powerful in somebody else's life. 
And so don't let the little things that aren't that important stand in the way of what is important. You know, some of the, you know, I'm, I'm a dude that grew up different, different than my wife, different than many of you. And there was certain kinds of people I didn't want to be around either. I was more comfortable with people who, who didn't go to church. And in some ways, I still am. Some of you church people scare me. I am one. <laughs> but when you learn to appreciate the different gifts and anointings that people have, you're no longer allowing age or culture or any of that stuff stand in the way of being able to gain more from the Lord. And you'll allow yourself to be discipled by somebody who's not like you. The person who not only discipled me, but mentored me and launched me in ministry was a redneck from Texas. And he is a redneck. He calls me a closet redneck. And it's his fault that I now will listen to country music. And I like it. I didn't used to. I only listened to hip-hop music. And not just that gangster hip-hop music. That's all I would listen to. And it'd be come time to worship, and I'd be sitting there like, bunch of, bunch of babies in here crying. And, and then all of a sudden, I became one of them because the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, all of that is just an example of the gospel having its work in my life. And I bet some of you have similar stories. So the first one is not, not ashamed of the gospel. Why not? Because I know the gospel. See, we, the more that you know, the more confident you are in it. That's why some of you won't share the gospel, is because if you were to be honest, you wouldn't know what to say because you don't know what you should know. Number two, it is the power of God unto salvation. Why is that? Because as I grow in understanding of the gospel, there is a power released in my life. There's a power that's released in my life. It's the power of the resurrection of Christ. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. There's a power released in your life more and more the more that you are gaining understanding of what the word of God says. The more that you grow in the gospel, the more that you grow in his grace. There's a power released in your life because guess what? Now you're also able to be a walking manifestation of that grace. And you get to share that grace with other people. Because, you know, if you don't know about it, how are you going to talk about it? I like to talk about church and I like to talk about Jesus like the way that I would talk about a really good steak. A ribeye. With horseradish. Not the one that's too strong. My goodness. Tone it down. Just give me the creamy stuff that has some good flavor too. Let me smother it all over there with the butter and the mushrooms. I don't like to talk about the Lord in a religious way, in a rigid way. I like to talk about the Lord in the way that he changed my life. In the way that I love him. And I talk about church the same way too. I don't want to go to church. There's a bunch of hypocrites in there. Yep, they everywhere. But that's what makes it awesome. Because we're all accepted to be there. And God's changing us. The third thing is justification is God's act of removing the guilt and the penalty of sin while at the same time declaring a sinner righteous through God's atoning, through Christ's atoning sacrifice. When Jesus Christ came and died for us to save us, he he also did it to heal us, to deliver us, to remove shame from us, to take away the, the penalty and the consequences of the stuff from our past. I mean, he, he did it for our embarrassment. He did it for everything. He made us justified. because, And it's so important to capture these truths because where do you think the enemy likes to attack us? In the area of you're not good enough or God doesn't want you or you're too young or you're too old or you're too this or you're too that. I mean, the enemy is always attacking in that way. But what a great thing to know what the Lord says and know that you're justified and how you can combat those lies and you can tell the enemy, hey, you're just jealous because you ain't justified. 
And not only am I justified, I'm also bona fide. I'm a bona fide Christian. I'm the real deal Christian. And why do you think the enemy attacks you so much? Is because he doesn't want you to have that truth. He doesn't want you to know about being confident. You see, Philippians 1.6 says, And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Isn't that something? That the Lord is committed to never stop working on you. He's committed to never stop changing me. He's going to keep doing it. He's going to keep coming and, and keep loving and keep pouring out his grace. You know, the Bible says that where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And the Lord is committed to making you the man or the woman of God that he's called you to be. So you might sit there and go, oh, I need to be better. Oh, I need to be better. You know what? The Lord already knows who you're supposed to be, and he's committed to getting you there. But you're not going to be able to take over driving the train and expect that you're going to make it on your own terms. He's already set the terms. What did he tell the other 12? He said, follow me. He didn't say, make sure y'all go get cleaned up. You need to get a haircut. You need to change your clothes. You're going to have to remove them tattoos and them piercings, and you got to stop eating that. No, he didn't do that. He said, hey, just come follow me. And they learned along the way. And that's the walk of a Christian as we keep learning along the way. The Bible says that uh, in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, who can rightly divide the word of truth. You become more faith-filled and you become more confident and you can be the gospel when you are making sure that you're putting the word of God in your life. If the only time you get the word is when you show up on Sunday, you are deficient. You are malnourished spiritually. You're showing evidence that you're not discipled. Discipleship is so important. Remember, it's for your health, but it's also so that God can use you to change somebody else. Because it wasn't just for you. God didn't die on the cross just for you. And he didn't die on the cross to make your life comfortable. I said he didn't die on the cross to make your life comfortable. He don't care about your 401k and your next planned vacation. He don't care about it. He cares about his kingdom. And if you want to be walking in his favor and in his blessing and experience his miracles and be in his provision, not your own provision, but his, you know what you ought to do is you just line up with the work of the kingdom. Y'all weren't ready for that this morning, eh? That's how you live the blessed life, the life and life abundantly. It's found in that lane. Some of y'all are in this lane over here, expecting God to do what only he does in this lane over here. Got to change lanes. I'll let that marinate on you a little bit. I got to get back to this. In just a minute, we're going to have some discussion points and some prayer points here, okay? So I want you to just write down these three things. Three keys, I call them, that will deliver you from your past so that you can receive the gospel's work and share it as well. It's three things. Number one is a new identity. Remember that you become a new person through Christ. So don't allow the enemy to try to keep you back there when the Lord has already said you get to be here. Okay? So you have a new identity. You're not who you used to be. Some of the things about your past might try to follow you every now and then, but you know what? God's got you. He's got your back. He's got your reputation. Don't worry about it. A new identity. The second key is you have to remember that the past is over. You can't resurrect it. It's done. It's dead. Yesterday's dead. You can't bring yesterday back. I know some of us tried to. Listen, how, how about you hop in your car and you stare in the rearview mirror and go ahead and try to make it home? Because you can't move forward if you're too busy staring at the past. See, some of y'all that are dealing with that depression, one reason could be is because you just won't look forward. You're too busy looking at what used to be. Some of y'all, you're stuck, in, you're stuck in the past so much, you still got some of the old T-shirts from back then. And you like to rock them, too, and they don't even fit. The seams are screaming, ah! The seams, you're putting, 
Because it's, it's over. The past is over. You're trying to still fit in some shoes that you were rocking back in. You know, I hear a lot of good things about the past. History, I'm, I'm all about history and stuff, but you know what? That's not a place where we're supposed to live. Yesterday's over. Let it be over. The third thing, the third key is submission to his mission. Submission to his mission. There comes a point where you say, you know what? That's it. I'm not fighting with God on this no more. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm doing it. You tell me to quit my job. You tell me to move to another place. You tell me not to do this no more. That's it. I'm done. Because some people are in depression because they're not living out their destiny. They're not living out the reason why they were created on this earth. And you think the devil's after you. The devil ain't after you. God just knows that you won't be at peace and you won't be happy until you're walking in his will. And you're fighting God. Guess what? You fight God, you're going to be depressed. God will show you. Oh, God's faithful. I'm telling you. He'll show you if if you're either uh, being disobedient and stubborn and not following him, or if the enemy is attacking you. And either one is going to require a different movement. It's going to require a different action from you. And as soon as you do that in faith, your life changes, depression's gone. I know some stuff's chemical and all that stuff. But this right here, specifically, I'm not talking about that. Galatians 2, 20 through 21. As I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. If we could be perfect on our own, Jesus would have never came. But thank God that he did. Now, for our discussion points, this means that you get to uh, be a little bit more uncomfortable today in church, and you get to break up into groups of five or six, and you get to have a couple minutes to discuss a couple things, and then also to be able to pray together, okay? And then we're going to come back together, and, and we'll close the service out, and all that good stuff, okay? So... Whatever you got cooking in the oven, it's going to be all right. You know, I hope. So, how do you see the gospel still changing you? And how are you sharing the gospel with others? Now, some of you might say, I'm not. Okay, cool. You get to highlight something that gets to change after today, right? So, don't beat yourself up about it. But how do you see the gospel still changing you? And if you're like, oh, it isn't. Well, now you got something to pray about. Okay? Now, the prayer points as ask God to give you a heart for the gospel. And ask God to give you a heart to share the gospel. Remember, everybody shares the gospel different. Not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody gets up here and, and, and does this. But maybe God's calling you to share at work. Share with your relatives and your neighbors and Maybe even some people that are your enemies or maybe frenemies or whatever you call them. But God wants us to share the gospel with everyone. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's take a few minutes now and just break up into groups of five or six people. And if it's uncomfortable, that's okay. Let it be. Embrace the uncomfortability. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Don't, don't be trying to go home now. This ain't the time to go home early now. Yeah, just a couple minutes. How do you see the gospel changing you? And how are you sharing the gospel with others right now?
told him too, just to, if there's a spiritual song or something, just, you know, I like what you do, bro. Okay, in about 30 seconds, start praying, okay? In about 30 seconds, just go ahead and start praying for one another. Hit those prayer points. Ask God to give you a heart for the gospel and ask God to give you a heart to share the gospel, okay? You can pray how you want. You want to circle up, join hands, however you want to do that. All right, so how do, you, how do you be the gospel? And it's, you know, it's hard to talk about the gospel. For me, it's hard to talk about the gospel without bringing up a couple stories in the Bible. And one of them is the story of Zacchaeus. And I don't know about you, but when I start talking about Zacchaeus, my mind immediately goes to Sunday school and singing the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, right? You guys know the song? But you know, the Bible says that Zacchaeus, they describe him as a notorious sinner. Everybody say notorious sinner. You know what that means? That means he was looked at as somebody who probably would not get right with God. Think about that for a minute. A notorious sinner. And Jesus called him out and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And I love that because no matter where people are at in their life, you need to know, and I need to know, that Jesus wants to come to your house. Oh, Jesus, but you don't want to come to my house. You don't know what's going on at my house. Matter of fact, if you try to come to my house on the wrong day, you might think we're not saved. Come on now. He was called a notorious sinner, and I love it. And the way that he responded is he did the opposite of who he was. Remember who he was? Stingy, stealing, taking people's money, lying, manipulating, greedy. And guess what? He gets saved, and he goes, you know what? I just want to give everything. It's one of the evidences that that the gospel is ruling your heart. It's ruling your life. Is because if you used to be angry, now you want to be loving. If you used to be violent, now all you want to do is care for people. If you used to be selfish, now all you want to do is serve. You see what I mean? It's like a, this, this response happens. But man, I love the story of the prodigal son. And I love that story for many reasons. And I believe it's a real and true picture of how God really sees us, how God sees everybody, how God sees the world. You see, one of the sons says, I want my stuff now, and I'm going to go do my own thing. And so he does. And he messes up. He loses everything. He screws his life up. He he, he takes on a bunch of baggage and hurt and pain and goes through betrayal and a loneliness. And he gets depressed. He starts eating with the pigs. And and he finally comes to this place, you know, because sometimes you got to reach your lowest low before you start making sense of some things. Do you agree with that? And see, some people need that. I hope you don't mind if I come down here, but I'm feeling a little Pentecostal right now. 
So what, what happens is, is he comes to his senses, and when he comes to his senses, he says, you know what, I can be treated better if I just go back home. But here's what he does, is he says, I'm going to go back home, but I'm not going to go back home expecting to be who I was. I'll just go ahead and be a servant in the house. And I love this. Because see, this is what we do. We say, you know what? I'll come to the Lord, but I'm not expecting him to do anything special for me. I'm not expecting for him to give me a new identity or give me a calling or, or have me walk out in any kind of gifts. I'm just happy if he'll just save me because right now I'm just a wreck and I don't really expect God to do me any favors or do any kind of special thing for me. I, I just want to make sure that I go to heaven. And so he's thinking, if I can just be allowed to come home and just be a servant, at least I'll have a place to live and I can eat something. So the Bible tells us this, though, and this is where I get the true picture of God, is the Bible says that while his son was afar off, which meant that his, his dad was looking for him to come home. And you see, I believe God is always looking for the lost to come home. No matter where we're at in our life, I believe God is always looking for us to come home. He wants everyone to be saved, that none would perish. And so he gets excited and he runs out to meet him, watch this, on the road back home. His father runs out to meet him on the road back home. You see, some people think that God sits up in the throne and he waits for you to figure it out and do what you got to do to get back here. Hey, as soon as you get here, then I guess you can be saved, but you don't get it right, whatever. Right? Because it's true. We, we, we don't deserve it. Isn't that what the song says? I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. That's true. But God didn't do that. Now, remember, this is Jesus telling a parable to explain, to explain the love of the Father. So this is Jesus speaking. I'm going to take it from Jesus. You can believe what you want, but I'm going to take what Jesus says. And he, in, in this parable, the father meets him on the road back home, and this is what he does. He wants to embrace his son, kiss him. He wants to celebrate because he's there. And his son starts to go into his speech that he's prepared. Hey, uh, Dad, I just want you to know that, you know, uh, I messed up. I know I messed up and, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. So if you would do me a favor, could I just come work for you a little bit? Give me a place to live. And guess what? His father responded by ignoring him. He did. He ignored everything that he said. And I love that. You, you know what that tells me? It means when I come to God with my stuff and I start unloading stuff to God, he'll let me talk, but he ain't trying to listen to that. Because God knows the truth about who you are. And you see, God never let the actions that his son did take away from who he created his son to be. Come on, somebody. He, he never took away the value of who he created him to be because of the things that he's done. See, these are things that you did, but that's not who you are. And the reason why I know this is because after his son does the spiel, he says, hey, will you go get the ring? and get the robe and put it on him. Woo! And he says, my son was dead, but now he's alive. Go get the barbecue grill ready. Make sure the ribs are seasoned right. We about to have a barbecue tonight. He wanted to celebrate. And you see, that's a true picture of the love of God. That's a true picture of the gospel. Now, I close by saying this. The Bible tells us in Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Now, here's the part. Give as freely as you have received. You see, the key is you have to receive it. Come on, can be four square. You got to receive the work of the gospel in your life. You have to receive everything that God is wanting to do inside of you, all of it, even the stuff you don't like. You got to receive it because then you will be able to give it. You see what I mean? 
It's great that you can sign up and you can go, you know, go serve, go, go do some food, go give out some clothes, do whatever it is that you do. That's cool. But let me tell you something. People of the world who are not saved are doing the same thing. The difference is, is you have the gospel. That's the difference. I know that a lot of people are trying to be like, oh, don't be so invasive. Just do this and just do that. Let me tell you something. I'm a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've never seen a demon come out of somebody because I gave them a piece of clothes. But when I said in the name of Jesus, I've never seen anybody healed because I gave them a sandwich. But when I said in the name of Jesus, I've seen him healed. Now look, I'm not saying don't give sandwiches. I'm not saying don't do that, but let me tell you what the purpose of it's for. The kindness and the compassion and the love is so that you can let the gospel just spill out of you. I loved it, man. There was some people doing face painting at Day in the Park. And they took it serious and they would prophesy. They would say things like, hey, do you mind if I paint this heart on your cheek? Because I think it looks beautiful on you and you're a beautiful girl. And because God wants you to know that he really loves you. Let me tell you something. That's the gospel being at work right there. I've preached some of my most, like preach my face off kind of messages. And still see people sit there like this. And then see a mama or a big dad come over and hug that person and they just broke you can't underestimate the power of a hug I saw it all through Costa Rica God told me when we were in Costa Rica doing doing a missions trip this year I knew that the purpose was for restoration and God used them hugs to just totally I mean ruin, ruin the work of the enemy completely just annihilate hell in Costa Rica it was amazing I remember I was speaking at a public school. It's like 300 students. And the Holy Spirit told me that there is some students that want to commit suicide. So I said, some of y'all want to kill yourself today. Only two kids were bold enough to come forward. I said, there's three. But only two came forward. After I was done, one of the teachers came up to me and said, preacher, I know who the other one is. And I said, who is it? She said, it's that young one back there. I said, okay. So I said, Pastor Jorge, can you go and go talk to that young boy and pray for him? Guess what? Within three minutes, there was about 20 students wrapped around that kid. And they were all praying for him. And he got delivered from the spirit of death and suicide that day. So whatever you came in here with, Especially, you know what? I'm going to say this right now. I, I know we got to go, right? It's too long, right? We, we, we got to go. There's, a, un, there's a, a lie of unworthiness. Matter of fact, you even, you, you even say stuff like, I don't think I can amount to who I know God's calling me to be. And I'm done trying because every time I try, I just screw up more. I hope, you, I hope you're really taking it in today because, you know, in the name of Jesus, that lie is coming down. In the name of Jesus, that lie is becoming broken right now. All you have to do is receive it. You just have to say, Lord, I received that truth into my life and I'm not going to live according to that lie anymore. I want to walk according to your truth. Yep, there's a few people. Matter of fact, there's a few of you. I, I want to just call you. I want to point at you and tell you to come up here, but I can't do all that right now. Let's stand together. I'm going to... Um, I don't know if we should say Pastor Joy or Sister Joy. I know she's got, she's got some leaders that are ready to pray, pray with you today, okay? As the worship team is singing and playing I want you to just step out 
Because I know some of y'all, you need to step out. You can't just do the, yeah, pray for me, pastor. I appreciate it. Love you. Some of y'all really need to step out. You need to say, you know what? As awkward as it is, as uncomfortable it is, I got to step out today because I need this thing broken in my life. You know who you are. If you need something broken, something in the message today, it spoke to your heart. The Holy Spirit's been nudging you, and you know that you need this stronghold broken over your life. If you need something broken, as a matter of fact, in the name of Jesus, I release a breaker anointing in this house right now. And I silence every voice of darkness right now. Any spirit contrary to the Holy Spirit, I command you to be shut silent right now in Jesus' name. Now, if you want to be released from that, I want you to come forward during this worship song. Just come forward. And then Joy will come up. She'll do what Joy does beautifully every time. But I want you to come forward and receive your healing and your deliverance today because God wants to do a powerful work in you with his gospel because he wants to use you to be the gospel. Thank you so much, Pastors Alpha and Monica. Let's give them a round of applause.